welcome to RCA Radio, a podcast covering the latest news and challenges in regulatory compliance and quality assurance facing the life science industries. I'm your host, Erica Porcelli. With the COVID-19 pandemic affecting countries around the globe, now more than ever, companies are faced with making changes to their day-to-day operations. In this episode, we will be discussing supply chain management and specifically audit effectiveness and oversight of service providers. Today, I'm joined by Sue Schneep. Sue is RCA's Distinguished Fellow and has been closely monitoring developments as things evolve in the marketplace. Sue, welcome. Well, thank you, Erica. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm happy that you could join us today because I know that you've been in a lot of committees and and been participating in a lot of discussions around everything that's going on around COVID. So today I just wanted to talk about effective audits. And I guess my first question is really, how can we as companies conduct effective audits during a pandemic? I think that's a great question because there are a lot of audits that need to be conducted, not only supplier audits, but internal audits and then, you know, due diligence audits. And there's always uh, when you're uh, using or taking use of contract manufacturing organizations or are in fact a contract manufacturing organization, um, you are, uh, your life is audits. So, Um, I think we have to think a little bit outside of the traditional model for for audits. Um, There's a lot more information that can be done upfront for prep work. So for instance, a review of SOPs could certainly be done um, externally to being on site. Uh, Questions could be exchanged through email or uh, conversations, uh, teleconferences. I also think that uh, there's uh, the issue of social distancing, and so to have auditors roaming around the plant uh, could be a challenge for a lot of organizations, contract manufacturing organizations, supplier organizations. And so I think that uh, live streaming or sharing of videos is another way to approach being able to see something. Now, it's not ideal. Certainly seeing something live um, with your own eyes is much more ideal than having someone walking around with a a camera or watching um, tapes streaming to your computer. But I think it's the way we have to think now um, in terms of of COVID-19. We have to be a little bit more uh, outside of the traditional box, so to speak. Uh, I also think that this requires us to take a look at confidentiality agreements and the disclosure and the type of information we'll be exchanging with each other a little more in depth. I don't think it can be just a strict Um, confidentiality agreement, yes, I agree uh, to keep information to myself. I think we have to take a look at um, how tapes or recordings are going to be destroyed or um, stored after shared with an auditor. So I think we really need to revamp that whole concept. I also believe that companies need to up their internal audit game and really uh, improve those programs to take on more of the role of what would an independent auditor review and how would they react and, and more serious about tracking responses to internal audit observations. 
so as with all audits, right, observations come out of those. And I think the real question now becomes, how do we document deviations and conduct investigations, especially in a time where we're social distancing? Does it make it more challenging? Are there things that people should be concerned about or thinking about as they go through the process? Well, I think documenting deviations and investigations, we have to follow the procedures. Um, and I think interviews can still happen. Um, you know, people can still get together and brainstorm, although it may be virtually. Um, it may be using Zoom or one of the platforms uh, for sharing teleconferencing. But regardless of what the vehicle is to share and do the investigation, the fact is investigations still need to take place and they still need to happen. Now, one of the things that can move it along, um, and I think investigations have to be done in a much more timely manner. Um, and we do need to get to root cause much quicker uh, than we have. These things can't languish just because, um, well, we'll talk about drug shortages in a little bit, but um, they can't languish because we have to fix them and solve them and move on to maintain our supply of drugs. Um, I think that one of the things that could help um, enormously, and I used to work for a company where only quality could open up a deviation in the system, allowing people on the manufacturing line to open up deviations on themselves real time or to, um, you know, get out there and, and say, you know, hey, I had this deviation and I know what I did uh, real time is very critical. I think we have to open up the systems and make them a little bit more transparent to everybody in the manufacturing arena, including, including quality, um, quality control, quality assurance, manufacturing operations, um, supplier quality. Everybody has to, there has to be a transparency of the system and the ability for people to be able to play multiple roles within that SOP or that investigation procedure. And that's the only way that we're going to really get a handle on um, solving these problems and ensuring a supply of um, uh, quality product to patients. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, especially when you talk about um, drug shortages. And I think, you know, there's a number of, we could spend a whole uh, podcast just talking about that. But when you look at the supply chain, what can companies do about auditing their suppliers and maintaining their supply chain? Well, I think that there has to be um, communication on, at all levels. Suppliers have to communicate with their clients. The clients have to communicate with their suppliers. This is a great time to um, be pulling out your quality risk management plan um, and making um, changes to it, uh, revamping it, redoing it to consider these extraordinary times, especially when you're dealing with supplies or materials that may be coming from overseas. You know, every country is going to open up a little bit differently. Everybody's Every country is going to um, have exportation requirements uh, probably stricter, um, making it a little bit harder to get the material into the United States. 
um, into well, if and if you're into anywhere, you know, France, um, Italy, if you're dealing with country borders, um, there's going to be an increased uh, scrutiny on these materials. So I think that um, the sooner people talk to their suppliers and the suppliers talk to their clients and again it has to be that transparent conversation um, and production schedules need to be adjusted and um, uh, supplies need to be closely monitored and in order for this to to work and continue manufacturing safe and effective drugs across the, you know around the world this isn't just something about getting materials into the US it's about getting materials anywhere you have manufacturing going on yeah so you look at the supply chain worldwide and we all know that there are you know border closures and things of that nature would you anticipate or have you heard any feedback um, from companies that are trying to perform virtual audits of suppliers in other countries or is this you know something that's still kind of being worked through as we work through some of the technology challenges that we're faced with as well I think people are still working through the issues although I know that they are trying um, audits and and um looking at material and approvals um, are all continuing to go on and they don't stop it's a little bit slower because like as you said the technology challenges are there um, what concerns me though is um, even if we you know ramping up the manufacturing capacity of our country to be able to produce materials um, we do very little uh, active pharmaceutical ingredient manufacturing in the US most of those are coming from overseas uh, so I think to gear back um, facilities to be able to manufacture uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients here on shore and I'm sure every country is looking at this issue too it's not just a I, I want to stress it's not just a US um, issue it's it's everywhere um, we have to uh, begin to help people uh, one update their facilities if needed uh, to make sure that they're capable you know somehow figure out what the validation requirements are again and whether they're current and how we can make them current and we have to do it expeditiously so that's a lot of challenge ahead of us but I'm sure that between uh, clients suppliers um, and producers of pharmaceuticals that there is a way to do it we just have to be clever and think uh, outside of our traditional model because the traditional model is not going to carry us through this um, particularly if you you know it's expected to be around for two years so we have to figure it out now um, so that people don't um, you know run out of drugs and and we face serious drug shortages if the, if we cannot figure out how to do that here yeah. Yeah. I think the drug shortages is something that we're hearing more about, um, I think, on a daily basis, at least in the things that I'm seeing. Do you think, given everything that's going on right now, this virtual auditing and audit effectiveness, is this a long, like, should companies be planning for this to be a long-term solution based on what you're seeing in the industry? Um, I think in some um, 
for some types of audits and some type of uh, relationships between clients and suppliers, it could be a long-term solution, yes. I think well-established relationships and well-established supply chains um, where there is a, a transparent communication between the parties, this could become a new normal. Uh, I don't know that it replaces uh, in-face visits for like pre-approval inspections or um, new products. Uh, I'm not sure how that would work. Um, but I think we have to think about it as being a potential long-term solution. Um, I don't know that uh, anybody's comfortable with having, you know, cutting out, you know, eye-to-eye -eye contact and on-site visit. Um, but it is the way we need to think as we move forward, um, just for the safety of people and until we get a handle on um, how this virus behaves and, and we have effective medications to treat it and um, vaccines to uh, immune ourselves against it, um, I, I think that this is some a direction we have to explore quickly and come up with the ground rules quickly uh, so that we can, again, sustain the supply chain. Yeah, I agree, I agree. And I think my final question is really, what can we do to maintain oversight of service providers? Um, I think, again, um, this is, we can certainly make sure that, that their SOPs are reflective of current practices. One of the things that I'm a, um, a little bit afraid of, well, not afraid of, I, I anticipate it as being a potential problem, is um, this is a rapidly moving um, target and people are gearing up uh, to manufacture things maybe they haven't manufactured in a long time. And so SOPs have a tendency to um, lag behind. And we have to make sure that changes to procedures, changes to uh, validation, changes to manufacturing operations um, are clearly documented and rationalized in our change control system through the uh, SOPs. I think that will be a challenge because sometimes, you know, change control can be one of those um, systems that uh, can be onerous to a company. It's hard to get changes through and uh, there's a lot of justification. But I think that we need to make sure that our change control systems are able to handle the rapid changes that might be made. So for instance, um, with uh, you may have a requirement on the manufacturing line that an that a particular step in production be observed by real time by another person. So right there on site verification. Well, if you are implementing social distancing in that in your company and on the production line, then that would be very difficult for someone to be six feet away and observing real time. Um, an observe a, a, a step in a procedure. So, would you have that video court recorded, and the person would review it um, over a stream live streaming in a conference room or from the com from their computer at home? I don't know. But if that's a change that has to be made, then you you know it needs to be done quickly and rapidly. So we have documented all of these um, modifications that we've made to our original menu 
manufacturing processing um, guidelines. And um, I think it's critical now that quality uh, takes a look at their uh, the efficiency of their change control system and make the appropriate changes to ensure that it can keep up with the rapid changes that I predict will need to be made um, in order to manufacture products. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things evolve over the next few months um, in this space for sure. So I'd really like to thank you for taking the time to provide us with your insight, as always. Um, I'm sure we will have you back soon uh, as we kind of talk through drug shortages and, and things that you're hearing about in the marketplace. Oh, thanks, Erica. And I just want to uh, wrap up. A lot of organization, trade organizations, um, and even pro for-profit organizations are offering free webcasts. Um, to keep the industry appraised of the situation and advancements and new announcements. And I encourage um, our listeners to uh, find what those are, who's offering them, and listen to them because there's a lot of good information that can be gleaned from that, uh, those podcasts, webcasts, and conferences. Thank you, Sue, as always. Um, appreciate that. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of RCA Radio. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when we upload the next episode in our series covering supply chain management. Thank you, everybody, and have a great day.